fundraisers, I'm Dawn Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Race Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities and building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. Happy New Year, everyone. It is January 2023, the beginning of a new year. I hope all of you had a wonderful and magical holiday season and a successful end of year giving season. But it's the new year and it is a perfect time to reflect on what we learned in 2022 and what the outlook might be for 2023 and beyond. And we don't want to do that anecdotally, right? We want to do that with some data and research and intelligence behind us. So I have the two perfect colleagues who are joining me today on Raise Nation Radio to talk about just that. What does the future of fundraising look like? What is the outlook in 2023? And how can we take new normals, the lessons we learned last year, and maybe even going back into what happened in 2020 and 2021? I don't want to say those words, but um, how can we pull that all together and create some really smart strategy for the future. So without further ado, let me welcome back my colleagues. I'm so excited to have Steve Lausch, um, our Director of Product Marketing, back with us on Raise Nation Radio, as well as Sarah Sebastian, who's our Director of Corporate Communication. Sarah, Steve, welcome back to Raise Nation Radio. It is good to be back with you, Don. This is great. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you, Don. Yeah, it's so exciting. I know we're going to dive into really great conversations. But first, our audience wants are tired of hearing, listening to me and getting to know me. They know everything about me at this point. I'd love for them to get to know both of you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your nonprofit background, what you do here at One Cause, and maybe something a little bit personal, just so that we can get cozy with each other. How about we do ladies first and start with you, Sarah? Sure. Thank you. Um, as Don already mentioned, I'm director of corporate communications here at One Cause. Uh, I started in April of this year, so it's it's been a little while. I still feel like the new kid on the block, but I've been here for longer than I realized. Uh, I have been in the fundraising tech industry uh, for about I guess, eight years now. Uh, and I have already completed one research project earlier earlier this year, the giving experience. If uh, you haven't checked that out yet, please do. And I'm excited to share the findings uh, from today. Uh, Steve, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My, uh, my name is Steve Lausch. I have the privilege of serving as the director of product marketing here at One Cause. Um, I am not quite to the eight-year mark in the fundraising world. I'm, I'm rounding out about six. Uh, I have about 20 years in uh, tech, uh, especially on the kind of the, the marketing side of, of technology. Um, but one of the things I love to do is geek out on data. And so uh, the annual nonprofit survey, which fuels the fundraising outlook report that we'll be talking about today uh, is really one of my uh, favorite projects to work through in the course of a year. So Don, thank you for having Sarah and myself back on Raise Nation Radio to talk about this. Well, fair warning to our audience who's listening in. The three of us love to geek out on data. So this is going to be a very geeky conversation, a very geeky episode of Raise Nation Radio. So why don't we go ahead and get started? The 2023 Fundraising Outlook Report. 
let's just define it. What what is it? How long has been one cause doing this um, research? Why are we doing it? And what are some of the criteria, like how many people and, and all that good stuff? Let's just make get some definitions out there. Whoever wants to take that. I can jump in on that one. And I love that we're starting here because it's really helpful to understand the context and history of this report. It is one of the largest in the nonprofit uh, world. And this is something that we have really released as an, a fundraising outlook report for about three years now. But before that, we have five, six years of developing this study into the size that it is today. So uh, each year, Don, as you know, we launched this survey at RAISE, which is our event uh, fundraising conference that One Cause puts on. And we keep the survey in market about you know three, four weeks for nonprofits of different sizes and segments, all shapes, to be able to respond to this, uh, really provide a 360 degree view into the marketplace. This year in particular, 890 unique nonprofits, again, of all shapes and all sizes, different, different uh, segments through the market, perhaps of different annual operating revenues, whatever it happens to be, 890 voices spoke into the data that we're going to share today. These were executive directors. These were development directors and vice presidents and event directors and just really a great um rounded view from executive leadership into that whole development role into you know boots on the ground event directors so these are people as well that uh, have voice that they are involved in tech acquisition tech use and we really want that if i can finish the, your question with the answer why we do this it's um, it's to put real data into the hands of real nonprofit fundraising professionals, so they can see how their peers are performing and what they're doing and what's working and maybe what they are challenged with as we look into the new year. So uh, tech is a big part of that. And we're proud to give this fundraising outlook to the market one more time this year. Yeah, super exciting, because as we spoke in the intros, we all love data and, you know, data drives so much. So um, so many smart decisions, which is fantastic. I just want to clarify a couple of things. So you say that you launched this at the annual raise conference for those that are not familiar, that raise conference takes place in September each year. Last year, it was um, in uh, Chicago, Illinois, and we will be reconvening again September 11th and 12th in Nashville, where you'll start the fundraising outlook report for 2024. Is that right? That's correct. Great. And our RAISE conference is open to fundraising professionals, well, anybody in the nonprofit space. And um, if you want to go and register, it's onecause.com forward slash RAISE. We hope to see you there. Um, and while we're giving out some places to go to find different things, where can we find the fundraising outlook report? Because we're going to talk about it here and jump into some key findings that are so fascinating. But if if people are limited on time right now and they want to jump right to the full report, is it available and where can we find it? Absolutely. Uh, you can head to the Resource Center on our website, specifically onecause.com forward slash research, and you'll find the fundraising outlook there as well as all of our past uh, research studies. So there's a ton of data, our favorite word to dig into there. 
Great. All right. Key findings. Who's as exciting as I, as I am to jump into them? There were several. I think we're going to highlight about three or four in, in this call. So number one, key finding number one, I think we really took a um, close look at um, the event and online fu- fundraising revenue. Um, and, and it's some good news. It, it really remains very vital to the nonprofit overall nonprofit success. So let's do an overview and dive deep into our first key finding. Yeah, and this first key finding, Don, is really a baseline uh, finding that we look at year over year over year. As I said, we're in about year five, year six of putting out a survey of this level. So we want that longitudinal view into event fundraising, into online fundraising. And the great news is that in 2022, 95% of nonprofits held at least one online campaign. And what's exciting is that 93% of nonprofits had at least one event in 2022. And I'm going to continue this theme throughout our podcast. You see it threaded throughout the report, but we realize how uh, it's not very far in our rearview mirror. Some of the very rocky times that we've had in terms of event fundraising specifically, but uh, 93% is a great number. We're, 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 we're strong with events. It's holding well. And I'll add very quickly that 56% of nonprofits said that they raise 21% or more of their annual operating revenue from this online and event fundraising. So it's not only prevalent, it's not only pervasive, it is key and critical. Mm-hmm. And you think that's a big number, but there was an additional quarter of nonprofits who said they raised 41% or more of their AOR from event and online fundraising. So these are really big numbers we're seeing. Uh, We also asked about the types of events that organizations held. And in 2022, those most popular types were auctions with events and registration, or they also uh, had those donation only events without auctions. Those were the top two most popular folks who said they held at least one of those types. Wow. Fascinating numbers. So um, events and online fundraising remaining very, very strong. And that's probably really good news because we all want to, that's where we want to be. And, you know, that pandemic thing kind of disrupted things. So um, really big numbers and great news. All right. Anything to add on key on the first key finding or can we jump ahead and and because I, I need more. <laughs> can we go into number two, um, yeah, which totally. talks about in-person events? Um, let's get back to in-person events. What are the findings there? Steve, anything to add? Yeah, well, let me offer both a look back in 2022 as the survey captures, but also the uh, projection for 2023 as well as captured in that survey. So in-person events, are it it, it is projected that they're going to make a very, very strong showing in 23. Nonprofits remain mindful, not just of the need to get back in person, but also to remember their virtual audiences. So keeping that, and I, I hesitate to use the term hybrid, um, because it means so much, so many different things to different nonprofits. Sure does. Yeah. However, whatever you define hybrid to be, in, in other words, you're going to have some mix in some presentation that includes both an on-site and virtual audience. So that remains strong. So let me go back to what I was saying. 2022, for context, we asked, how did supporters participate in your 2022 events? This is what we asked nonprofits. And 32%, one-third said, only 
only in-person events, which is just phenomenal that looking nice comeback. Seriously, like just over our shoulder, right? Those days where in-person events were taken off the table altogether. Uh, so one third only in-person events, uh, 9% only virtual. And there's all kinds of reasons for why that might be. And it's same with the 4% who said, hey, we just didn't get to an event this year. But Don, catch this number. 56% said that we uh, used a hybrid strategy for our events in wow. 2022. So I love that. And that means that that nonprofits are listening to their donors, which means nonprofits are engaging more with their donors, which means that donor retention and other, other metrics will be, will be stronger as we exit the pandemic, uh, as we get further and further well, away from those years. Well, let's stop right there. Cause I want to, sure. I want to underscore that 56% executed hybrid. Now we executed a hybrid raise conference. So we empathize. We know that that's <laughs> no easy feat. It is hard. Hybrid is hard. It's like you're planning two separate events and you have to keep two different audiences engaged throughout the duration. 50. So let's stop and just applaud um, our, our, our fundraisers out there for executing hybrid events and keeping their um, supporters engaged and, and their events going. That's I just had to stop there, mm-hmm. Steve. I'm sorry for here, interrupting, here. but I, wow, wait, I don't even know what to say there. Yeah, we totally agree. And what's exciting is that's just the springboard for 2023. So maybe I'll just tee up one stat and and let Sarah um, uh, or have Sarah expound a little bit. But for 2023, the one big thing that stood off the page for us when we asked how many of the following fundraising events do you plan to hold in 2023? And we offer nonprofits a number of different types of events and event strategies. But one of the things we saw is that 83%. Now, again, remember this this is take this data is taken in September of 2022. They're projecting 83% of nonprofits said that they plan to hold at least one in-person event in 2020. Wow. We're back in person for sure. We are. That's a big number. Go ahead, Sarah. And what's interesting, we could really see a change in the data this year that confidence levels are up. Aside from just that 83% number, uh, nonprofits who said they were undecided about holding in-person events dropped all the way down to 8% uh, from 20% last year. So there was a big Mm. change there. People are feeling much more confident. Um, I wanted to quickly call it again the 56% that held those hybrid events and 32% that held in-person um, in 2023, 45% of our nonprofits this year's in this year's survey said they would hold hybrid events. Um, and those in-person and hybrid event formats are what we saw as most successful in 2022 as well. So when we looked specifically at how nonprofits were performing against their budgets, uh, 80% of organizations who held either an in-person or a hybrid event reported that they were raising in line or more than their budget for the year. So these are proving as ways to be really engaging events and really reach those audiences and be effective. So hybrid uh, might be worth it. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. Steve touched on, you know, listening to donors in uh, 2022's giving experience study, 56% of event donors did say that they wanted some sort of virtual yeah. option on the calendar. So nonprofits are listening. They're keeping those hybrid events on the calendars. So great job. Applause yeah. <laughs> so, so hybrid's going to hold strong. I mean, still at 45%, that's still a big number. Mm-hmm. And um, 
while we know it's a lot of work and we know it's a lot of work, it really is worth it if you're going to keep those relationships going stronger, deeper and engaging your supporters. And they're asking good, good, good job. Good that we're listening and great advice for 2023. All right. Can we move on? I think we have some more um, about just the topic we're talking about donor engagement and mm-hmm. is there donor fatigue? Where does retention fall? All mm-hmm. the, all that good stuff. What do we got, Sarah and Steve? Right. So we looked at uh, top nonprofit challenges and saw this year that donor engagement, fatigue and retention are all falling within those top challenges for nonprofit. Um, challenges related to the pandemic, like planning around the pandemic did see a big drop and don't get us wrong, we're not saying that it's not still an issue because it definitely is um, because 71% of nonprofits did report that they are still having issues with pandemic-related planning, but it dropped from number one last year to number 10 in the list of challenges this year. So there's at least some relief. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. definitely good news. Um, So those donor-related challenges, they did rise up to the top of the list. No surprise, people are trying to re-engage those donors after this very volatile period. So donor engagement, donor fatigue and donor retention were all in the top four uh, as far as challenges go. We saw recurring giving uh, up there as well as a top challenge. Um, And for this view of challenges, just to add a little bit of color on how, like what we asked folks, uh, we looked at organizations who rated items as critical, definitely a concern or somewhat a problem. And that's how we came up with those top challenges here. Got it. Um, and, and I can see where, you know, donor retention would be such a high focus, you know, with with research coming out of the Giving Institute, indicating there's a declining number of donors. You know, it's just so important to engage, re-engage, um, be mindful of fatigue and retain the donor base that you have. So all good, good notes for consideration um, looking, you know, ahead to 2023 and, and what people should be. Uh, what nonprofits should be planning. So, all right, let's go into some uh, hard questions for both of you, because we really want to understand this research. Were there any differences? And what I love about the fundraising outlook is just the repertoire of nonprofits that that you that you pull um, in this study so that it's not skewed towards um not, you know, smaller startup um, grassroots or national or one particular segment. So it's nice that we have the varying sizes, but were there any differences in the challenges between the nonprofits of the varying sizes? Don, I, I just want to pause real quick and, and say thank you for, for identifying that. And I think that just proves even more so the value of our, our audience going to the website, downloading the report, because they know they're going to find information about their particular peer uh, type of nonprofit, um, their size of nonprofit. And I, and again, I would have them download the report because some of this gets a little technical and uh, I'm a visual person. I don't know about how many uh, who are hearing my voice at this point probably saying, yes, I could I could use that. But donor retention, yes. When you look at just uh, someone saying, hey, this is definitely a concern or most critically, this is an issue that we have to solve. Donor retention did show up in the top two places for orgs, one million of annual operating revenue and above. 
uh, recurring giving. Kind of spotted in there at the top three places for most of the market. So that would be nonprofits, maybe small nonprofits at 350,000 AOR, annual operating revenue, all the way up to the national and large organization. But the big takeaway, if you look at the the chart that's in the Outlook um, report itself, donor fatigue was definitely a top concern. And in fact, it was the only challenge that made it into the top five challenges for every strata of of the nonprofit sector, Hmm. uh, each annual operating revenue. So donor fatigue is, of course, this perception metric about how donors are feeling about our activity or uh, the cadence and the type and quality or quantity of that activity of of building that relationship. Um, We also saw some things kind of creep into the data that we didn't see year over year. We saw staff turnover work its way into the top five challenges, especially uh, with larger orgs. Um, Likewise, Yeah, and and I'll just throw one more in there too as well. Another one that crept in were sponsorships. So if you think about how nonprofits may have in the past couple of years, hey, there's a lot of what I would normally do in the course of the year with my donors at an event that I cannot really do anymore. So now I may be turning a little bit more to addressing challenges around acquiring sponsors, managing those relationships with sponsors, building some of my revenue, lost revenue through those sponsors. So we're seeing that um, notably and rightfully surface as issue for folks across the market. Well, what I love about this is the opportunity to do something different because, you know, that old adage that says, you know, if you keep doing something the same way and expecting different results, you you might not get there. But it's a great opportunity to look at, you know, sponsor packages and how you did things and ask your sponsors, survey them. What do you need, want to to meet your goals? How can we, you know, work together to continue supporting this mission and and supporting you know your, your goals um, as you collaborate with our mission it's it's just a good opportunity to kind of take a forensic look at everything that you're doing because you may just uncover some new nuggets of, of opportunity but I think it's important to get back to this donor fatigue that's creeping up Sarah anything more about that that you could shed lights on Sure. I I love touching on that because I, I've noticed there's kind of historically been a disconnect between nonprofits and donors themselves when it does come to donor fatigue. And this was really evident on LinkedIn, like right after holiday giving. Oh. I saw a lot of folks like at nonprofits or consultants saying, I received this many emails from nonprofits. Oh, yeah. Blah, I saw blah, that blah. too. Yeah. But donors kind of popped in and they were like, oh, I liked it. I liked hearing, you know, the impact that I made or getting an update on how much was raised. And I know that when I personally make a donation, for example, I, I'm a bird watcher. I give to Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Shout out to my to my people. Um, they sent out they sent out a lot of emails. It's great. It's my interest. And one that particularly struck me in this string of emails after the holidays was that they were using data that their audience had submitted uh, in a scientific study. And that was a really great way to kind of keep me connected to the cause through communication, keeping me engaged. I wasn't fatigued at all with their communications. I was left wanting to hear more about how Ah. it's contributing to their mission. So despite getting a lot of emails, I was in it. I wanted to know more. They did a really great job. Um, so I think that's kind of a key takeaway for nonprofits is keeping folks engaged uh, in your communications to avoid that fatigue. And I think it's the quality of communication. Um, 
it, we have a great webinar um, on demand at onecause.com um, with Rachel Muir, who really talks about, you know, the best way to talk to donors. So that's important too. I mean, if you think you're fatiguing them, you just heard from Sarah, you might not be, we saw on LinkedIn, you might not be, but maybe just take a look at your communication and um, that that could be a good opportunity for 2023. Um, so we're not fatiguing them. Is that right, Steve? Well, we don't have to, right? And we, we it just it comes back to understanding that our, our engaged donors are certainly not going to be fatigued donors and communicating with them meaningfully. And I think that's the that's the key is going to keep them engaged. So as you download this report, as you look at these top five challenges, I know there are other key findings we need to get to, but as you do that, um, Definitely keep in mind that perhaps that perception metric of donor fatigue could be solved by addressing maybe a, a challenge that is ranked slightly lower, like donor retention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so good stuff. Well, so what stayed the same? Well, that's I love that question because again, this is a study that uh, we have the privilege of looking at year over year. Longitudinally, we look at all of these challenges together every year. So we kind of average the top challenges and we do this quantitatively. And I think what I would say is um, nonprofits by their own submission and uh, uh you know what they're what they're sending in quantitatively is they're reporting greater levels of challenging challenges in these particular categories as time goes by. So you would look back in the rearview mirror and you would say, "Hey, Don, you would you would think that 2020 was like the year of the greatest challenge, perhaps, or maybe early 2021." But we have done this year of year study for 13 challenges. You can see these in the down uh, in the report. Um, but relative ratings for these challenges are actually. Uh, increased today, I, I hesitate to use the word worse for today, but they are certainly greater today than they were in 2021. And 2021 was actually greater than 2020. Hmm. So I guess I say to the audience, we hear you and we encourage you and hopefully even insights via data like this can even give you a way to uh, address those challenges head on, do so strategically and uh, find your way more into the line of success. Well, so if you think you're alone, you're not alone. And there's, you know, consistency in um, what's concerning and what are issues to solve. And it's not just, you know, pandemic related. So um, it's good to stay on top of those issues and keep them at the forefront in your 2023 and beyond planning. Um, I'm going to put both of you on the spot. Sorry in advance, but um what were you surprised by when you were going through the reports? What like kind of was like, huh, that huh moment? Sure. I, I'll i say that, you know, sometimes when you're surprised by something, but you're not surprised at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> when you actually see the numbers, it makes your jaw drop. Uh, and that this is related to one of our key findings. And it was that making data accessible and actionable is continuing. It's continuing to be just a really big concern for nonprofits. Uh, I think. Every time we talked about these numbers with people on the team, the, the reaction was the same. It was like, oh, gosh, that's that's awful, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> so only 18% of nonprofits surveyed said that they had access to all of the data that they do need and that they use it to make decisions. 
pretty frequently and on a day or on a daily basis. And smaller nonprofits in the study reported having even less access to the data that they need. So something we all kind of know, but then you see the numbers and you go, oh, yeah, yeah we need Ouch. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, Steve, I'll just, you're being quiet. Do you yeah, have any no, surprises? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rarely known for being quiet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I can tell you that. Certainly that. So let, let's continue that theme. So um, I, I agree with Sarah. This this was kind of the thing we knew, we thought we knew, and then the data just bore it out even, even more uh, definitively. Mm-hmm. The thing that, so that 18% said, hey, we we raised our hand. We're happy. We have the data we need. It's organized in the way we need. We have the actionable insights so we can go and make decisions from it. Mm-hmm. There was an equivalent number of people who said, I have the data. I just don't know how to form actionable insights. Mm-hmm. Or 26% who said, I don't even have time. So I have the data. I don't have the time to form the insights. So there's, there's, uh, there's. This is complex. This is complex. And I think for us who are in the, um, you know, whether it's from a consultant standpoint or a tech pr- provider standpoint, the the it starts with us being able to serve up our data in a way that not just makes sense, but in a way that drives action that helps mm. the nonprofit face the challenges that we were just talking about, move them from the lane of challenges into the lane of successes. Um, so anyway, you put me on the spot. That's what I would say. <laughs> well, I think it's good news for AI companies out there for sure. Um, if if we need to tap into, you know, some help about, you know, making it actionable and segment segmenting and things like that. Um, so I don't know, with all of these surprise numbers, um, somebody take this, please. Any recommendations for nonprofits <laughs> who don't know maybe where to get start to get started with data? Sure. I there's a lot of data that you can measure. There are so many things that you can pick and try to focus on. And it's tempting to try to do it all at once or to do something incredibly grand that's going to make this huge difference all at once. And that's a lot to take on, especially for nonprofit professionals who wear 75,000 different hats every single day. And it sounds like common sense and it's very hard for us to do. It's very hard for me to do. Start small, focus in on something that is going to move the needle even a little bit and keep doing that. Things, those small things snowball. For example, if you have a goal to boost your recurring uh, revenue every year, take a look in your database, find some donors who have given $20, you know, multiple times a year. I've done this in the past before and I've had an organization reach out and say, hey, would you consider turning this into a recurring donation of, you know, $10, $20 a month? That was easy for me to do at the time. So yes, I converted to a recurring donor due to that outreach. That's going to boost their revenue. Multiply me times however many people you reach out to. And if a chunk of those folks do decide to convert, you've just boosted your revenue a bit by starting small. And then just kind of keep doing that. (laughs) One step, one foot in front of the other, one one metric at a time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you you identify and get good at one metric a quarter, well, by the end of the year, you've got four metrics that you're mastering. So Mm -hmm. good advice. All right. So let's make sense of all this data. You know, it's great to hear what our peers are doing and, you know, what are the trends, but how could we... What are the, how are we prioritizing 2023? Does the data give some strong indicators as to where we should be? What, what, what's our top five list? What's our top three list? Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Steve. 
Yeah, for 2023, we asked a, a few different questions that we could in a sense, triangulate an answer on this. We asked about what's what's one of the most important fundraising strategies. Uh, we found out that the importance of donor acquisition is is among the top uh, donor retention. We talked about already uh, getting more out of our existing campaigns is going to be uh, critical. Uh, but I think the clearest signal that we're seeing from the nonprofit sector as a whole would be this return to in-person events. And we shared that earlier in the in the podcast, and I believe that was key finding too. But if you're going to look, you know, the sector-wide, this seems to be where uh, uh, a majority of the donors want to be engaged. And we talked about how if you're going to be in-person as well, include that hybrid concept, uh, that hybrid strategy. Uh, so donors, it, uh, this is where nonprofits are seeing the greatest area of success. So uh, whether from a fundraising strategy standpoint and the success of that strategy, or even nonprofits saying, hey, when I invested in supporting technology for my in-person and hybrid events, this is where I found the greatest bang for my buck. And then finally, I would say besides donors, besides a nonprofit voice, uh, we're seeing, and Sarah mentioned this, this is where we're seeing the revenue goal being met, if not exceeded. So if and as nonprofits are returning to in-person events, doing so with a hybrid component, they are hitting their fundraising goals. And that's what we want to see. So it makes sense to invest in what what the trends, uh, you know, what, what research is indicating that the trends will be for 2023. It seems like you should invest time, um, perhaps money, resources, technology, innovation into that so that you could optimize what you're doing in that place. Get really good at it. Get, be masterful because that's where we're seeing success. Is that what I'm hearing you say, Steve? Absolutely. 100%. And uh, if, if you need help with that, I, I, I'm finding this for myself, just a good ism in life, right? Look at the mirror and see where, see where you're doing well. Don't be afraid to count the column where you might need a little bit of help because there are resources that can help you, uh, as I said, mitigate those challenges, find more successes. And, and if it's in the topic of returning to an in-person event with a hybrid component, Don, you rightly <laughs> described the complexities that a hybrid component can bring if you do it without maybe the right insight or the right uh, support. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's the great news. Yeah. There's, there, there's the right resources out there so that you could invest and, and um, really drive those home runs. Um, oh, gosh, I want to just geek out more, but I think that's all we have time for. Um, I know our audience wants more, especially Sarah. I know you've been very busy creating lots of visuals and charts. And, you know, if podcasts or webinars are not your thing, then we want to download that full study, especially because the pictures are just so pretty. You did such a good job. <laughs> but where can we get that again? Where's the full study report available? It's at onecause.com forward slash something. Can, can you help me out there? Sure. It's onecause.com forward slash research. And I definitely want to give credit to uh, Jackie at Huckia Designs for the pretty pictures. Uh, she did a gorgeous job. On Thank that. you, Jackie. <laughs> for us visual learners out there, Absolutely. we appreciate it. Um, um, on the One Cause site as well in the Resource Center, you'll find a video for the study with key findings and infographic. And we also have a webinar coming up next week with you, Ms. Dawn, uh, January 11th. So we do hope to see you there. 
And we'll be a little bit more formal with a slide deck. Um, we yes. love to do both, right? We love to give that very structured um, deck and opportunity for our audience to ask questions and post them in the Q&A and chat. We'll have a team ready to answer and respond. And we just want to get you information every which way. So it's all available. I love the infographic too. Um, however you like information, just go to the resource section at onecause.com and um, hopefully you'll find what you need. If not, reach out to us and consider joining us at the Raise Conference because you too can be part of the fundraising outlook for 2024. So um, that was really exciting. But um, unfortunately, Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. We wish we could geek out a little bit more, but thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. There are 70 episodes for you to choose from. And you can follow the channel that you like best so you can get the notification about new guests and new topics. All of you fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Your stories are awe-inspiring. We are inspired, and you won't want to miss a single episode of Raise Nation Radio. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Check it out at onecause.com. And again, visit that resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of just about everything. We love our content. We love our data. We love our research. It's all there for the download. So a huge shout out and thanks to my guests, Steve Lausch, Sarah Sebastian for sharing their expert, authentic voice and their key findings of the 2022 fundraising outlook. Um, it was so exciting. Thanks for being with us today. Um, but I'm going to put you on the spot for the very last time. Any last words of inspiration? You know, we've been saying it a lot this week, Don. Happy New Year. Ah. I hope that's what it is for, for, for our audience today. I hope it is a happy year, a fun year, a joyous year of fundraising. Good data helps us make good, uh, have a good perception of our work and of our job, helps us to get encouraged, find a good path, and uh, we can find good resources, as we were just talking about a couple minutes ago, to get it done, have fun, and let's have a happy new year in 2023. All right, Sarah, over to you. I have to put you on the spot. Last words of inspiration for our audience. I think emerging from kind of the holiday season, that theme of togetherness, and we've touched on it throughout this conversation. You're not a lonely island. There are other nonprofits out there going through the same things. So just be open to having discussions with other folks to see, you know, what shared challenges you have and sharing ideas to see what has worked and can help you in the new year that you may not have tried. Yeah. And we could do that together in September in Nashville, Tennessee at the Country Music Hall of Fame at the Race Conference. Nothing's more together for nonprofits than, than those two days um, and that experience. So thank you guys again so much. I'm going to download that report and look at it again. I encourage all of our audience to do the same. But in the meantime, this is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. Oh.